0: This is Ross Valerie of Journey, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks.
1: Hey, this is Matt Storm, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
0: Uh, Hey, this is Rich Robinson, you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
2: Welcome to episode 312 of the Iron City Rocks podcast, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where we bring you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, blues talk on the net. Episode 312, we have joining us from Pittsburgh band, the Ugly Blondes, we have Justin Cook, guitarist, uh, joining us on the line to introduce that band. They were the winner of the uh, Winter Rock Showcase, which took place at the Hard Rock Cafe uh, this past winter, Uh, so we want to bring them on, introduce them to the world. Also, we have uh, coming to the Hard Rock Cafe on August 16th, Rich Robinson, uh, whose name you'd probably recall from the Black Crows guitarist. uh, He will be joining us in just a little while to talk about his new album, Flux, as well as his touring plans. So first, we're going to get into the interview with Justin Cook of the band The Ugly Blonde. So here's a taste of The Ugly Blondes. We'll get right into that interview.
3: I'm joining us from the band Ugly Blonde, that Justin Cook on the line. How are you doing, Justin? Good. How are you doing, John? Doing very well. Um, you guys were the winner of the um, Winter Rock Showcase this past winter at the Hard Rock Cafe. Um, so congratulations. Uh, obviously, that uh, thank you very much. Thank you. We tension. were very excited. Um, an up-and-coming band in, in, from Western Pennsylvania. For those not familiar. Um, I wanted to have an opportunity to have you guys come on the show, talk a little bit about the band, introduce uh, you know, not only to our Western Pennsylvania audience obviously, but the worldwide audience. Um, so the band itself, um, can you give us a little background? I know you play guitar and do some singing. Um, can you kind of introduce to the guys in the band, what they do? Oh
1: yeah, there's uh, on drums there's Gareth Blythe. I've been playing with him for probably about four years now in different projects. Um, there's my brother, uh, Nate Cross. He uh, he does the lead vocals. He uh, plays rhythm guitar. Uh, he does most of the writing and uh, lyric work. And then there's Nick Chesko on bass. He was actually in a few bands with my brother, Nate, before we all decided to get together and uh, combine as a band.
3: Interesting. You mentioned you're working with your brother, um, other guests on this program, uh, Rich Robinson of the Black Crows. Well formerly the Black Crow, same situation. Um, is it how is it working with your brother on a project like this? Is that is you guys kind of butt heads maybe more than normal band members? Or um actually is it kind of you two against everybody else when it comes to decision?
1: Actually not at all. You know, we've been playing together for um playing guitar for probably about twelve years together now. So and we took the same lessons together and everything and we kind of Pretty much just operate on the same um same wavelength same ideas uh we mm-hmm. n- never really get into any kind of issues and as far as butting heads with the other guys um not so much either we've been together for a while now where we've uh <laughs> tried to work out all those kinks and uh uh you know it's more of everyone understands it's a it's a definitely a collective effort.
3: Uh, the the key then is don't become rich at this. Then then it becomes. A problem. When you start throwing money into that situation, it gets a little <laughs> yeah, more uh, complicated.
1: Exactly. Um <laughs> yeah. uh, Just the,
3: the the band stylistically for those from us, and we're going to obviously play a little bit of your music. But um, can you kind of describe you know, you know how how you categorize your music?
1: Um, it's definitely something that I've struggled with uh, categorizing, pinning down on just one genre. We try to take a little bit of from, you know, gr- uh, like a grunge style mixed with maybe with a try to clean up the grunge style a little bit, not so, uh, uh, you know, sloppy or, you know, try to add some, uh, um, very harmonized guitar parts to that. Um, mm-hmm. also like to pull from, um, uh, classic rock as well. Kind of like we'll add in like a psychedelic rock part to a, uh, to a grunge part so we we've just um we just you know kind of um uh categorize it just as alternative rock and then however anybody wants to uh compare us to we're definitely open to that because we think if we get comparisons from somebody then they're we're making them think about music so Excellent, yeah,
3: and that, that's, that's interesting. The alt rock is probably a good label to see. I know with with metal, especially, there's so many different genres of of metal. People can kind of pigeonhole. You know, if people don't like a, a doom band, for example, if someone else comes out and says they're a doom band, then you're immediately going to dismiss them. So right, probably right, wise. Right. Now, your your album, The Golden Days, um, just about a year old now. Um, mm-hmm. and that, am I correct? That is your most recent.
1: Uh, yes, that's great. our our, uh, our last album, yeah. you
3: want to talk a little bit about um, the, the, the material itself and how the writing process came together to put that album together?
1: Um, mostly, we recorded our first album, and um, we were probably satisfied with about half of it, um, the way it came together. So when we wrote The Golden Days, we wanted to try to really pin down what... Um, what we wanted it to be about, we wanted it to be a little bit uh, sludgier, with um, a, a little more pushing, pushing it to, toward a little bit more hard rock. we also wanted to keep our style of, you know, doing our, our two guitar parts and everything. So a lot of thought went into that, whereas most it didn't go into the first album. But um, you know, we—it's uh, probably the most the compared to our first album, the most where we came together to try to, um, collectively write and, uh, throw out ideas, um, like the, uh, one song, uh, Fortune on it. Everybody kind of wrote their own part to it and, uh, came together as one. And then, you know, the song just kind of came together. So that's how we, that's how we wanted it to be. And how, um, that's how it came together, and it took us about a, uh, eight months to write, and uh, we were really happy with the, the ending, ending project. Now, when you went into the studio,
3: were these songs
1: that you had been playing
3: out prior to this, or were these songs that were kind of written specifically for the album and, and you know, kind of put away on the shelf until you got into the studio?
1: Um, I'd say we had about half of them played uh written and we were playing them out um live before going into the studio um some of the songs were one song was actually written um most parts were written in the studio Um, as we started laying things down we actually started scrapping ideas that we had in practice and really laying it down in the studio gave us different ideas, different parts to add, different melodies. Um, so that's how that kind of worked out for us.
3: Now, um, as a band, I mean, it's, it's always kind of tricky, but is it, you know, a young unsigned, you know, band? It was, it, you know, a lot of times I'm sure you're playing the band, people who are kind of unfamiliar with the material. It's maybe easier to slide in a new song because people don't have your set list memorized, for example. Um, you know, it's sometimes a little tougher to work on arrangements. Do you guys do, um, you know, in your in your life, do you do cover material at this point, or are you strictly kind of sticking to your own material?
1: Um, It's rare that we'll do a cover song. Um, like when we played the uh, Rock Showcase Finals, they uh, kind of required us to do one,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, we played a David Bowie song, uh, Suffragette City. So um, we really wanted to kind of make it our own and kind of put our own spin on it, um, not make it like the original at all. So, um, you know, we'll throw that every in and every now and then. We'll do – I mean, we started out as a cover band, so we definitely know them. But um, we'll, we might throw one in on a longer longer uh, set list that we're able to have. But if, if we're playing, a you know, a 30-minute set, it's going to be all originals for sure.
3: Now, is it, do you find that? that and I'm always kind of, you know, this is sort of a challenging thing for a, for a young band to kind of walk that line between playing popular, you know, radio hits from other bands, cover songs, versus sticking to your guns and only playing original music. Um, is that something you kind of had to sit down as a band and say, you know, we're going to stay the course on our own material and take our lumps there? you know possibly have a little harder time getting gigs, or has it not really been a big issue for you?
1: Oh I mean absolutely you know we have to we have to you know when you say you know you're not gonna play any cover material and you're gonna you're gonna stick to that you know that eliminates a lot of places that you can play, especially you know in maybe any kind of um you know neighborhoods that be close to where we live and uh um that where people come to drink and only hear covers so um, we definitely had to pick where the places where they will have us play all of our music, um, all, only our music. We kind of had to, you know, it's difficult to to, to drop some, you know, uh, fan favorite covers that get, you know, that immediate attention from people. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when if we if you're trying to record music on your own, it's, it's the only way we we uh, we want to do it. So definitely want to be known for our music. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a difficult thing I know for for a lot of young bands is to kind of walk that line because you know you
3: you get up on stage in a room full of people who don't know you, uh, especially if you, you know you don't have a lot of friends and family around at the event. Um, you know, a lot of times people will tune out if they don't know a song. Um, right. So it's a challenge, but you don't want to play the same three Leonard Skinner songs that you know. 25 other bands are playing either
1: exactly exactly Um,
3: that's what that's what we didn't want to do so yeah and i admire the you know the the determination to make or break on your own material is certainly uh thank you very much so you guys i know have a a pretty nice show coming up at mr smalls in august um what else is is on the calendar for the ugly blondes
1: um we're doing uh uh mr small show is definitely big for us we're doing a uh a uh, show with a couple good bands: um, uh, Easy Roscoe from Nashville, and uh, our buddies from Pittsburgh, Blackbird Bullet and Club Ca Club Cafe. On the on August twentieth, um, we just locked down a show at the end of September at a Black Forge Coffee House. That's definitely a new place for us that we haven't played th- at yet, so we're excited. Um, we just played uh, the festivals, the two festivals in Pittsburgh. Um, uh Deutschtown Music Festival and Layer Kick in, in June and July. So mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. Those were great events set up by uh everybody and it was great to meet other bands and stuff. So um right. you know we're trying to trying to book some book some more for the future, so
3: Awesome, awesome. Again I wanna congratulate you guys on winning the showcase. Um got a great oh, thank album you. that's available um as far as internet presence uh, is the bandcamp website probably where you would direct folks to or give us uh yeah of b-
1: of bandcamp ugly? um slash backslash ugly blondes we're on um facebook you can access our music there we're also on spotify itunes uh soundcloud uh amazon every All these. every every outlet pretty much so
3: Every outlet is that'll take your material and sell it to other people and not give you much money for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, a Spotify play would get uh, a penny.
3: So, hey, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: that's more than,
3: you know, more than YouTube will give you probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, uh, Justin, it's, it's been a pleasure. I wish you guys all the best and um, you know, let us
1: know how you're doing in the future, man. All right, John, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, John.
2: thank you to Justin for coming on and talking to us about the Ugly Blondes. Again, you can find their information on the Bandcamp website or if you go to ironcityrocks.com and go to the show notes for episode 312, we'll have a link to their site as well. Check them out. They'll be doing a bunch of shows in western Pennsylvania. And speaking of western Pennsylvania, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Rich Robinson, formerly of the Black Crows, will be coming in and doing a show August 16th at the Hard Rock Cafe. And I have uh, had an opportunity to listen to the album Flux, which is available now. The album is is a very eclectic mix of of different kinds of beats and some acoustic music, very spiritual music, kind of roots rock. So we're going to play a track. This song uh, was probably one of my favorites on the album. It's called Music That Will Lift Me. Uh, This is Rich Robinson from the album Flux. I'm going to go into the interview.
4: Understanding of this ethereal plane. As I look ahead and wonder what's left to feel, I'm sick and tired of all the waiting.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to the show guitarist Rich Robinson. How are you doing, Rich?
0: Pretty good. How are you doing?
3: Very well. Um, first thing I uh, wanted to ask you before we get into the new record and, and the, the tour you're doing, uh, you just did a stint with Bad Company. Um, can you yeah. talk a little bit about how you came to, to step in that role and what that meant to you to play in that?
0: Um, well, I mean, in November I uh, met paul rogers i was doing this uh event for jimmy page we were honoring jimmy and his music in seattle and there's a lot of people there that kind of you know that came up and 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 offered their you know support and it was uh it was me and duff mckagan and kim Thale from Soundgarden and jerry cantrell and uh who else chris Novichelic was there and Uh, also Rick Nielsen, so you know, it was was a really cool, even Eddie Van Halen sent like a message to him and and it was fun and Paul was there to sing a couple of Firm songs so we met each other, he was really cool, he asked me to play on a couple of his, you know, on the Firm songs I did, I got up and played and it was great, you know, it was really cool and um, you know, that was pretty much it and I flew home and then a few months later, uh, Mick Ralph wasn't able to do the tour for you know whatever reason and they just in the states at least he's doing the uk mm-hmm. shows but um and they asked if i would fill in i said of course you know i grew up listening to you know listening to bad company on the radio their songs mm-hmm. were pretty much everywhere you know but and i was also a huge free fan so to be able to play with simon and paul was was really cool
3: yeah, now do you? I mean, you're, you and I are not that different in age, and, and you know, I remember thinking this when you guys did the album with uh, Jimmy Page um, more years ago than I'd like to remember at this point. But does it kind of? Do you still get Star Trek? You mentioned you were with Duff McKagan uh, and some people who were contemporaries of yours from you know the late '80s, early '90s. But when you go back to these guys who were so influential in the '60s and the '70s, who were you know the guys you listened to when you were in high school. Do you still get a, like a trip out of that?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. Jimmy when he came and played with us was really more like a friend than anything. I mean, we got along mm-hmm. really well. He was, you know, he was really cool. We, you know, talked about music, and it was more like it was it was almost like being in a band with him. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, and he really was in our band for a long time. And so, you know, for a year, like we toured and played Zeppelin and played Crow songs and it was, it was really cool. And so maybe because we spent so much time together, it just felt pretty natural and it was never like any kind of like fan uh, thing. But it was really cool, like, you know, to look over and watch Jimmy, you know, listen to him play, play Black Crow songs. I mean, that was like something for me that was like, you know, pretty amazing. I was like, damn, you know. Um, uh, yeah, you know, to have him play on, on my songs, these songs that I wrote when I was a teenager, you know, some of them, and, and just pretty amazing stuff. So, yeah, yeah I mean, th- those things is. are amazing. And to, and to listen to Paul, you know, bust out, he I mean, that guy can sing better now than he ever, I, I think, than he ever did. I mean, he's, it's unbelievable how well he sings you
3: know yeah he's 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 become like the dick clark of of you know classic rock
0: yeah Um, i mean he just he sounds so amazing and it's just really a really cool thing
3: now the you've got uh, an album forthcoming flux um which you're kind of stepping out
0: it it came out Oh,
3: okay great now you take the microphone and, and you've done singing in the past um how do you approach singing though? I mean, is that something you're comfortable with, or is it you know kind of I'm singing because I wrote these songs are so personal, um, or did you aspire to do the vocals on, on the songs?
0: I mean, on on my song these songs did I aspire yeah. to do the vocals on? Them? Um, well, I mean, no. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, the crows split up in '01, and I what I do, you know, what what my love is is to write songs and that's Mm -hmm. what i do and i i amassed a good amount of songs and i wanted to put them out and really the only way to put them out is um uh but uh i mean the only way that you know i could kind of watch these songs come to fruition is to sing them myself and okay so i just started you know and it, and also to to really bring that second half of that song in that I'd never really done. I mean, I always wrote the music in the crows, and Chris wrote the lyrics, and so right uh, to be able to write the whole song was really interesting to me. And so, but yeah, I never like, again. I mean, I, I never like had some sort of sit down moment where like I'm going to be in a band or I'm going right. to be the vocalist. I never thought like that. I just did it, and that's just how it was.
3: Now, when you were doing. Uh, these songs, obviously, you're you're writing and arranging, and, and specifically the vocal melodies. Did you get involved with melodies with the Crows, or was that something you let uh, Rich and or Chris? I'm sorry, handle. Um,
0: well, I mean, musically, uh, I with the Crows, I would write and arrange, you know, the songs with my brother, and uh, mm-hmm. and I would come up with some melodies, and and he would come up with the majority of the melodies, and that's how it was, but. Musically, you know, I always would sing a few things and kind of have ideas, but you know, for the first time, the, really the 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 new thing that started in two thousand three when I did my first solo record, because this one's my fourth one uh, plus two EPs that I made. Um, you know, in two thousand three when I started this, I really started, you know, just the this the jump was more just into lyrics. And right. And that was really the only job
3: Now, um, when you perform live, and this, on a lot of these tracks, you know, you're you're the sole guitar player on these. Do you is just you live on guitar now or do you take another guitarist out with you? No, I, kind of... I have another
0: guitar player out with us on this run. His name's Nico Barasyatua and he's from Argentina. He's a really cool guy, he's a great guitar player and uh so yeah, this run, he's out with us. Um you know, to handle stuff when I go to take a lead, he
3: kind of, That was you know. yeah. That was the point of my question. You know, when you when you're on the mic all the time, it's a whole lot different than being able to kind of you know just be there for the chorus sort of thing. You know.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
3: Um, the musical direction of this album, you've got a, a lot of different flavors and beats and things like that. Um, were these al were, were these tracks in particular kind of written all in the same point in your life, or are these kind of you know, bits and pieces of songs you've had over the years?
0: No, I mean, they're all pretty new songs. I mean, the only one that was brought from the last record was the last song called Sleepwalker, and I recorded it for the c site, but then um, I didn't finish it. I, I didn't have time to finish the vocals, so I brought it to this record, and when I put it in the context of everything else, I was able to to uh you know I was able to bring it into a focus for the whole record you
3: know mhm now, as producer on this album as well i mean you're you're basically i mean this is about as solo as a solo album can get um in that respect is there a particular reason do you have your own studio or is there a particular reason you opted to produce the album yourself?
0: Well, I've produced all my solo records and uh, okay just you know just kind of the way it is i mean to me it's you know to me it's cool just to go in and mess around and play you know what i mean like let's see what this mm-hmm. does let's see what that does let's do this let's do that and you know um and my engineer that i've worked with on these last three records and the two eps um have you know he and i have a great rapport uh, my drummer and i have a great rapport that i can bounce things off of but you know it's it's, uh, I don't know. I just it's kind of just adding someone into the mix that, you know, right now I wasn't interested in adding, you know.
3: hmm Now, I, I noticed this particular album, um, you had it mixed by uh, two other folks. Do you get involved at all in the mix or you just kind of hand it over to them and, and let their ears do what they see fit?
0: Well, the first... Uh, record I made I uh, I mixed it with my engineer and I wasn't happy with it I didn't think mm-hmm. that it, it, it came out great and so I decided to uh, and these two same guys have mixed the last three records of mine so this is the third time they've mixed the records and I think what they mm-hmm. do is great and you know they're there for the whole record they know what I like and you know I'll make comments here and there of what I think needs to be pulled up or pulled down or or these things, but other than that, it's uh, you know pretty um, uh, you know pretty just leave it to them, and they have Let great ears. I'm, I'm really happy with it.
3: Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly something that can make a break a record, and it. it's it's always interesting to, you know to hear about that because I don't think a lot of people think about the mixing. You just assume you're recording, you lay it all to tape it or digital or whatever, and put it out on a CD. But there's a lot that goes into the mastering even that'll affect the sound overall. Um, one of the things I noticed on your website, you've got um, uh, a very interesting art collection. Um, can you talk a little bit about your your love of you know the visual media a little bit?
0: Um, yeah, I mean the art collection is that's the stuff on my website is my artwork. That's what I do, um, mm-hmm. and so I uh, um, you know I paint all the time and take my paintings to. Um, you know, to shows, I, I had a show in New York in February. I had a, there's a couple of pieces hanging in a gallery right now in Toronto. I think I'm doing a show in LA in October. I had a show in Atlanta. I had one in Connecticut. Um, so, and also one in, um, I had a show in Malibu. Uh, so, yeah, it's cool. Uh, you know, it's something that I, I've been doing for like 23 years now, just really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's just, is a, it's a great creative outlet, you know, just to get right. in there and paint and do something a little bit different and just kind of, it's more exploration, you know, it's really like you just get out there and you, and for me just to discover different ways of painting and different shapes and colors and all these different things, it's, it's just a, using another part of the brain.
3: Yeah. And is, do you find that is somewhat of like a stress relieving, Type of thing. I mean, with the amount of traveling you have to do as a musician in your life, and, and the dealings with business aspects, I'm sure that's quite stressful. Is this somewhat of a relaxation thing as well?
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, because there's no, there's no traveling. There's no people. There's nothing involved other than just you and this canvas, and just kind of seeing where it goes. And that's that's a really cool thing for me.
3: Yeah. Now, um, as far as a live show. Um, what can folks expect from a uh, you know, Rich Robinson show? Is it just material from the from the albums and the EPs? Do you mix in any of the Old Crow's material in there?
0: I mean, I might play a Crow song here or there, but it's mainly songs from my records. You know, and we'll do some covers, and we change the set list every night, and you know, just get in there and do it. And you know, I, I just believe in really playing music, just getting mm-hmm. up there playing music. You know, there's no pyro, there's no there's no like big show. It's, you know, we get up there and we're a band and we're playing and, and, and it's, and on that level, that's what we do. And that's what we care about. And we all love it. And, you know, and, and, and the thing is, is that us and, and people who come to see it, I mean, there's this, there's a, there's a, there's an experience that we're all sharing. You know, we're mm-hmm. all, we all may be sharing it from, you know, different parts of the room, but we're all sharing the same Experience And that's a really cool thing. And we're growing where more and more people are coming out and they're getting into it and they're seeing these different things and they're really getting there. And that's such an amazing element of it, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it's great to hear, you know, in this modern era of music, something as organic as your record is very re- oddly refreshing, you know, yeah. not to hear, you know, sequencers and auto tune and, drum machines and all kinds of things like that it's uh
1: yeah
0: it's pretty pretty crazy sometimes how that gets you know it sucks all the humanity out of music and and music is is inherently human you know it's created by humans for humans and and should it speed up a little bit should slow down a little bit should Mm -hmm. you know i mean you know like i always say like you know john bonham's kick drum squeaking and and you know is something that brings you into that studio. It's the one it's the one little thing. I mean if someone's like, you know, taking a fucking selfie of themselves or walking around filming the studio, there's no there's nothing that really you know, you can kind of visualize it but you're not there. It also takes the mystery away, it takes the romance away. But just to hear yeah. little things and little human things within the context, you know, uh you know I've always liked music and musicians and bands because they're unique, not because they sound like everyone else and it's their yeah. uniqueness in time and their uniqueness in pitch and their uniqueness in phrasing and their uniqueness in tone that makes them makes me appreciate them for who they are uh Once you have these bands that come out Nickelback or some of these bands, they all sound the damn same and Everything's mm-hmm. quantized and there's no, you know, and every, it just sounds like a computer. There's no connection for me to that. There's no, because it, it doesn't feel, there's nothing joyous about it. There's nothing organic about it. And that's, that's what's a bummer to me.
3: Yeah. No. when, when you guys, uh, you know, either through the latter part of the crows or even, you know, your solimiture, did you guys use uh, Pro Tools much? In your yeah, process I mean, or do you... you know,
0: unfortunately, as time went on, um, you know, tape was harder to get. It was also kind of difficult, you know. I mean we did, you know, we made all of our first records on tape and it was cool. Mm-hmm. And all we could do, you know, we get up there, we play, you know, three there's fifteen minutes on a roll of tape, you know, you do this and you, you amass all this tape and it's really cool and it's great. But as time went on, tape manufacturers stopped manufacturing tape. And the last record we made on tape was Lions. And then it got to the point where it was just like, look, it's hard to get, incredibly expensive. It's hard to keep somewhere. And we just kind of went through, uh, you know, Pro Tools. And there's ways that you can use Pro Tools as like a tape machine. That's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. You know, you you think about it as a tape machine, and you don't use all the other shit that you can use to really... All the cut and paste and... and yeah, yeah. But you can, you know, you can use it in this one particular thing. And, that, and that's a cool thing. And that's what we did. There's some really good and positive elements about that, that you can do. Mm-hmm. There's some things that you can explore. And a friend of mine described it to me as like, it can be a tool or a crutch. Yeah. It's a tool. It's a great tool. But as a crutch, you know, you can make people who maybe shouldn't be making records sound like they can make records. But on the flip side, you know, if you use the really positive elements about everything of it, you know, then that's a, you know, that's a good thing. You you use it and it works and it's cool
1: and that's it.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. It's it's a great tool, but unfortunately, sometimes it's a really great crutch. It's a little too good of a crutch. Yeah. So that's that's a great point, Rich. But then,
0: when you go on tour and play, people who can't play, it's quite obvious, and the people who can and the people who know what they're doing. You know, you go in and it's, it's a cool thing, you know. You yeah. can really tell when it counts.
3: Yeah, unfortunately anymore, you know, when you see some of these bands, you're not even sure if what you're hearing live is actually live, so...
0: Man, it's amazing how many people use Pro Tools live. I yeah. I've never seen anything like it. It's
3: crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, between that and, you know, like the, the fractal type the amplifiers, you know, there's so many things that can be done, you know, that make a show almost so perfect that it loses something. Um, yeah, absolutely. Rich, I, I want to thank you so much. You're coming into town August uh, 16th at the show for, in Pittsburgh at the Hard Rock Cafe right down on the river, a beautiful venue. It's uh, going to be a great night of music. We look forward to seeing you out there, man.
0: Cool, man. Thank you.
3: All right,
2: that about wraps it up. I want to thank Rich Robinson for coming on the show talking to us. Uh, again, his new album, Flux, is available now. Also, Justin from the Ugly Blondes, their album is available now as well. If you go to Iron City Rocks and click on the episode 312, we'll have links to all that information. While you're there, you can check out the concert calendars for the area. You can contact us. Links to our social media pages, which are Facebook, Iron City Rocks, Twitter, forward slash Iron City Rocks, YouTube, Instagram, etc. I would love to hear from everyone. IronCityRocks at gmail.com. And until next time, we thank you for listening.